0: daily Hammer your daily news source when it comes to the Atlanta Braves is part of the battery power podcast Network my name is Sean Coleman hope wherever you are and wherever you were listening you were having a wonderful start to your Tuesday of course you can find the Daily Hammer the battery power podcast and the podcast to be named later all at batterypower.com at battery power SBN across all forms of social media and free on all podcast platforms it's good to be back with you on the Daily Hammer last week had plenty of great podcast content All that certainly is relevant. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to, you know, our three-day coverage of the MLB draft or me and Steven Tolbert's second-half preview through the podcast to be named later, Daily Hammer crossover from last week, or just a few days ago, the latest Battery Power podcast with Brad Rowland and Scott Coleman, kind of giving an early preview of the trade deadline and also diving into, you know, a little bit of struggles that the Braves had to start the second half of the season against the White Sox. All that's available on the Battery Power podcast network. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Sean Coleman. You can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter. When it comes to the Braves, here's the latest from Atlanta. And yeah, when it comes to the Braves start to the second half of the season, they certainly struggled. I don't think that you could have scripted a better start to the second half of the season than a Matt Olson grand slam in the first inning of Friday's game, which was more than enough to get the job done with how great Charlie Morton was. But after that, the starting pitching struggled, the offense wasn't clicking like it usually did, and the White Sox just played better baseball. And I know that I have kind of been a broken record when it comes to the losses for the Braves, you know, looking at the losses for the Braves over the past six to seven weeks. But the reason why is because the losses are just so few and far between. They just simply, a lot of times, are just basic, you know, expected losses that occur. Every few weeks, you're going to get a one-to-do, one-to-two-day stretch where even a team as good as Atlanta is going to struggle. And so when that happens, you just chalk it up to, hey, you had a couple of bad games, you move on. And that's one thing that Atlanta has always been able to do during this stretch of success over the past five or six years. Resiliency is a calling card of this team. Consistently being able to quickly bounce back after small stretches of struggles, that has been a calling card of this team, and I expect that they do that once again, especially with another NL playoff contender in the Arizona Diamondbacks coming to Atlanta. But we talk about, you know, the second half starting, and we're still definitely, you know, it's still relevant to talk about second half storylines. And when it comes to the Braves, three really stand out. Getting Max Reed and Kyle Wright healthy, for you to be able to have a a pretty good starting rotation going into the playoffs, that would be the most critical storyline to play out in a positive way for the Braves in the second half of the season. On that same, you know, parallel It's the bullpen getting healthy as well. Currently, Nick Anderson, um, um, Dylan Lee, A.J. Minter, all three of those pitchers, pretty important bullpen pieces for us. All three of those pitchers for different lengths of time are out right now due to shoulder ailments. Are they going to be able to all get back healthy and once again be productive parts of the bullpen? That's going to be a major storyline to follow as well. And then, of course, what will Alex Anthopoulos in the front office do at the trade deadline? Seems like that there's more. this is more going to be um, a move on the margins type of trade deadline, which Alex Anthopoulos has shown he's a master <laughs> of doing those type of moves. That really stands out as being another major storyline to watch in the coming weeks. But I want to add one more storyline that I definitely think is relevant, and that if this storyline can have a, a positive theme to it in the second half of the season, this, just like getting Max Reed and Kyle Wright back, this really could take Atlanta to the next level, to where they could be the overwhelming World Series favorite. I know that a lot of you know projection models and percentages show that, that, that they are right now, but if this storyline develops in a positive way, it can make them even better. And that is Austin Riley getting back to being the level of hitter that we know he can be, an MVP level of hitter that he showed over the past two seasons. If we can get Austin Riley to be back anywhere close to that level of hitter, it'll be a magnificent development for this Brave squad. Because we're coming up now, when you look at Austin Riley's career, and when you look at how he's trended as a hitter, we're basically coming up now, on the last year being Austin Riley at a level of production that is significantly has significantly regressed from the hitter that he was in 2021 and for much of 2022. You know, Austin Riley so far this year, 16 home runs, 45 RBIs, a 763 OPS, 261 average, 326 on base percentage, 437 slugging percentage. Where Austin Riley has really fallen off this season is that there's just not the same amount of pure power when the ball comes off the bat. A couple of factors that have played into that in 2022, for instance, Austin Riley had a barrel percentage of 15 and percent. This year, it's at nearly it's it, it's hovering around 10 percent. We also know that he has a significantly higher ground ball rate this season than he has in, you know in previous years. So Austin Riley is hitting the ball on the ground more and just not hitting it with his in the air with as much authority. Those two factors are playing a part in how Austin Riley has struggled for much of this season. But what becomes a bit more eye-opening is, like I mentioned over the past year, Riley has not been the same hitter that he was in 2021 and 2022. It really becomes eye-opening when you see how Austin Riley has trended as a hitter over his career. If you go back to April of 2021, it was well documented. One of my favorite baseball articles that I've read in years was back in the summer of 2021, where Keith Law wrote an article, you know, talking about, you know, how he basically apologized to Austin Riley because, as we know at the la- at the end of last decade, when Austin Riley was being talked about with the rest of Braves prospects, Keith Law was always someone who was, you know, more down on Riley than a lot of other outlets were, and the early career struggles of Riley seem to kind of validate the concerns that Law had. But then in 2021, basically overnight, April 2021, Austin Riley completely retooled his approach at the plate. And the end result was him consistently producing at an MVP level. In 2021 and 2022, Austin Riley finished in the top seven of the MVP voting. That's how good of a hitter He was. And so Law was basically apologizing to him because Riley showed he can make adjustments to be productive at the major league level. But then, when he went from April of 2021 through July of 2022, Austin Riley, again, two top seven MVP finishes. He earned a 10-year, $202 million extension, was truly one of the most feared hitters in the National League through July of last year. But then in early August of last year, his production changed. As many of us noted, you know, he struggled in the second half of last year. And those struggles have basically carried over to this season. But where it gets truly eye-opening is, again, just how much he has regressed as a hitter. If you go back to April of 2021... When Austin Riley made, you know, the adjustments, retooled his approach at the plate to become an MVP hitter, level hitter, consider this. In April of 2021, Austin Riley was around career game 150, okay? From career game 150, which would have been at the end of April 2021, through career game 400, which would have been through July of 2022, over that 250-game stretch of Austin Riley's career, he had a batting average of .304, an on-base percentage of .363, a slugging percentage of .571, and he had a 934 OPS. Over that 250-game stretch of his career, Austin Riley hit 62 home runs. So we're talking about a player who from April of 2021 through July of 2022, he had a 934 OPS obvious why he was an MVP-level hitter. But then, as I, as I noted just a minute ago, and as many noted last year, when the calendar turned to August, Austin Riley started to regress, and that regression has continued to be rather eye-opening. So again, from April of 2021 through, through July of 2022, Austin Riley had a 9.34 OPS. Now, let's consider what Austin Riley has done since early August of last year— to now, which basically is a 150-game stretch. Since August of last year, Austin Riley is batting 248 with a 328 on base percentage and a 426 slugging percentage, a 754 OPS, and he's hit 25 home runs over a 150-game stretch. So to put it in, in simplistic terms, from April of 20, uh, 2021 through July of 2022, after Riley basically retooled his approach at the plate overnight, he hit 62 home runs over a 250 game stretch and produced a 934 OPS over that 250 games. Again, an MVP level hitter. But since August of last year, he's only hit 25 home runs over the past 150 games of his career and has a 754 OPS. It is eye opening that whatever Riley did in April of 2021 to become an MVP-level hitter, what happened in August of 2022 has significantly regressed the type of hitter that he is. Basically, over the past year, Austin Riley is producing an OPS of nearly 200 points lower than he did from April 2021 through July of 2022. So whatever is going on with Austin Riley, figuring it out, Even if he doesn't get back to an MVP level of hitting this year, an Austin Riley that's producing at an 850 OPS level could take this offense to a next step, to a level that truly would make it overwhelming to be the clear favorite for the World Series. To me, Austin Riley getting back to just even somewhere close to the MVP level hitter we all know he could be. That, to me, would be a big development. I know many have talked about him moving down in the lineup, what have you. That may be something that the Braves consider in time. But in my opinion, when it comes to Austin Riley, the big focus is getting his bat back going. That would be a great development for the Braves.
1: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team.
0: in the second half of the season. So as the attention for the Braves coming off the off day on Monday turns to a pretty competitive matchup with a fellow NL NL playoff contender in the Arizona Diamondbacks, Obviously, the other thing to watch for when it comes to news is updates on, on you know, those who are currently rehabbing in terms of, you know, Max Freed and others, and of course, you know, latest updates on those who recently have gone on the IL. Again, you know, the bullpen—you've got Dylan Lee, you've got Jesse Chavez, you've got AJ Minter, you've got Nick Anderson, who's on the 60-day IL. So updates over the next several days will certainly be something to watch, and potential roster moves as the Braves try to navigate navigate through all of these injuries that will definitely be something that, you know, is at the head of the storylines over the next, you know, days and weeks. Of course, you're also looking at Max Reed continuing his rehab assignments. You're looking at when Kyle Wright may start his, which, which will probably be towards the end of July, early August. So when it comes to the Braves pitching, while it's not, in my opinion, as dire as it was at the beginning of the year, the Braves are definitely having to navigate through some choppy waters right now when it comes to injury news. So make sure to stick with BatteryPower.com for all the latest when it comes to updates on all the injured arms currently for the Braves. The only other news for Monday was that, you know, Roderick Munoz, who was a reliever that had come up with the Braves earlier in the season for a few days, he was designated for assignment um, last week, and he was claimed by the Washington Nationals. So he went to a division rival. Outside of that, we'll see what other potential roster moves may occur in time. But for the Braves coming up in this series against the Arizona Diamondbacks, you know, it definitely is going to be, you know, something for them to take advantage of when it comes to the fact that the Braves are going to have their three best arms on the mound in this series. And also the fact that the Diamondbacks have kind of slipped a bit in the month of July when it comes to them playing at a clip. You know, there for a little while, it was the Diamondbacks, who, you know, especially, you know, kind of in May and, you know, June, for much of June, it was the Diamondbacks along with the Marlins, who were the two, second and third best teams in the National League. The Reds and the Phillies and the Dodgers, obviously, have all been in that mix as well. But for a little while there, it looked like the Diamondbacks were the second best team in the National League. But they've gone 11 and 17 since a six-game winning streak back in June. So the Diamondbacks are definitely not playing the best baseball that they have earlier in the season. And so for that reason, it's an opportunity for the Braves to get the offense going once again. And they should have the opportunity to do that as they face Zach Davies on Tuesday, Ron Nelson on Wednesday, before they have to face potential NL Cy Young candidate, Zach Gallion. Zach Gallion obviously started the All-Star game for the National League. So Thursday will be pretty tough, though it will be a very fun matchup as Thursday will be Zach Gallion versus Spencer Strider. But for the Braves, you've got Bryce Elder versus Zach Davies on Tuesday. You've got Charlie Morton coming off a phenomenal start against the White Sox last Friday. You've got him facing off against Ryan Nelson on Wednesday. When it comes to the starting pitching, the Braves should be in good hands, at least for the first two games of this series and for that reason the Braves need to get the bats going early once again so that they can have some success. Uh, Steven Tolbert, you know, the the podcast to be named later, he he brought up an excellent point on Twitter, you know, uh, yesterday talking about the fact that the Braves, you know, had only faced left-handed pitching 200 times. They only had 200 plate appearances since the start of June against Right against left-handed pitching. And that's because teams are not wanting left-handers to face the Braves because of how dominant the Braves were versus left-handers in April and May of this year. But we also know that coming into June, going through a tough May, the Braves struggled mightily at times against right-handed pitching. So you would think that if teams were having left-handers face the Braves fewer amounts of time and the braves struggled against right-handed pitching then their offense would would kind of struggle well that has not been the case at all as we know once the calendar turned to june and teams started almost exclusively throwing right-handers at the braves again resiliency comes to mind with how the braves have responded since june 1st the braves have a 904 ops and a 140 WRC Plus, as a team, against right-handed pitching. By far the most productive offense against right-handed pitching in the majors. So we want to talk about changes that happened overnight. The Braves' basic dominance against right-handed pitching, when teams started throwing right-handers almost exclusively to the Braves, those reps started to add up. And for a team that's as talented as the Braves are, they made adjustments that absolutely clicked. And so the Braves once again need to get that going as they face three more right-handers in this series against the Arizona Diamondbacks. So the key for this series especially tonight, you no know, Bryce Elder also, you know, when you consider the the last start of the first half of the season, Bryce Elder, you know, is not been as, as sharp, you know, over the past month or so as he was in, in the first, you know, two and a half months of the season. Getting him a good start to start the second half of the season could be a big, big key for this brave starting staff being able to hold it together until reinforcements come. But Bryce Sutter being able to get the job done, just going through the lineup a few times successfully, putting together a quality start, and the offense getting going again. The offense being able to put together a successful game on Tuesday night, that'll be a huge key. The Braves are 22-9 and so far this year in series opening games. That's why they've been so good at consistently winning. If they can get another series win tonight with Bryce Elder on the match, Kyle Davies, due to early offense, it'll be the Braves going back to what has worked so well for them over the past six to seven weeks, and they'll hopefully get back to their winning winning ways many times over the next Few weeks. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Daily Hammer, your daily news source when it comes to the Atlanta Braves. As part of the Battery Power Podcast Network, my name's Sean Coleman. You could find me at StatsSAC on Twitter. Please make sure you go to BatteryPower.com at SBN across all forms of social media. Free on all podcast platforms to catch all the written, video, and audio, digital, whatever content you can imagine. We will have it through the Battery Power podcast network and also batterypower.com. My name is Sean Coleman. Until next time, have a great day. Go Braves. We'll talk to you again soon here on the Daily Hammer.